We're in our final week of the series entitled, It's Not What It Looks Like. It's not what it looks like. And a couple of weeks ago when we kicked off this series, it was Father's Day. And my son, my oldest son and his wife flew from Hartford, Connecticut to come and spend the day with us. And just want to show you a little clip of that Sunday afternoon experience. Watch this. Coming to you. Here, <laughs> I'm a crier. I'm a hot mess, but I'm God's hot mess. today and we want Austin and Paula to know and our future granddaughter that we love you very granddaughter. much. Granddaughter. Well, or our grandson. Oh. No. no. That's a good prediction. This is real reality TV <laughs> right here. No, I, thought the pink, I thought the pink represented granddaughter. That's not really what it represents. So. No, it's <laughs> not too early to tell. We don't know who it is yet, but granddaughter or grandson, we love you very much. And or grandchildren. We, grandchildren. <laughs> They just keep talking back. We love you and we prayed for you before you were ever born. And we believe God has a great destiny in store for you. And we're excited to see you come into the world. It makes us cry. We love you. All right. Oh, a great shot. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Miss Laura and I, we'd like to introduce that we are going to be abuelo and abuela. We're going to be grandma and grandpa for the very first time. And we're just excited about this new season. I opened that box. It really wasn't what I thought it was because it wasn't, it's not what it looks like. And I, and I got to tell you something today. In all of our lives, we have experiences and things that we think it's one way or it's one thing, but there's actually something else taking place there. There's a bigger story. And we've been in the story of Joseph for the last five or six weeks, and it's been a journey. And I just got to say right up front, I cannot, I tried the last two services to like weave the whole story together and go back to Joseph's beginning and dreams and brothers. And there are a couple main characters. There's several main characters. There's Joseph, who we're going to see today represents Christ. Uh, there was Jacob, his father, and Jacob is a rascal, and Jacob has an encounter with God, but Jacob is weaved through this story, which actually started Father's Day with Jacob, the, the father of Joseph. We started his story and about passing on the next generation. And then there's some bad brothers. I call them the mafia brothers. And these dudes are just bad. They're the brothers of Joseph, and they got a lot of bad things. They do a lot of bad things, and God's still weaving and working their story. But what I, I've discovered in, in my life, and I've discovered in the, gener in the time that I've served God, that there's an upper story. Everyone say upper story. And then there's this lower story. The upper story is, I call it the 
telescope of human history. It's God's broad, big, massive perspective. And it's the God that we serve is a big God. This upper story is God's ultimate purpose. It's his story. We call it history, but it's actually his story. And it isn't just from Genesis to Revelation. It's from the beginning of the existence of creation to the very end. It's all about God. It's all about his story. It's about all about how he works in human history. That's the lower story. Everyone say the lower story. The lower story is, you know, in the Bible, the lower story is the people, the places, the circumstances, all the things that tell the story of the people of God that point us back to his story. And then there's this intersection between the upper story, the lower story that works down to our story your story and my story, and how in our lives, sometimes we look at life, we look at our life, I call it the microscopic view of life, we can only see like a little tiny microscope and we, you know, microscope and we see things in a very small way, but there is this upper story, and that's what we're going to look at today, we're going to look at the upper story working through our lower story ultimately to tell, to tell, to show our story so that we can tell his story. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 50, verses 19 and 20. And uh, the first service, that little part right there took me 12 minutes, so I've already saved eight minutes there. So we're going to try to move through this here quickly today. But Genesis chapter 50, we're going we're gonna to finish at the very, very end of the story of Joseph. And it starts in Genesis chapter 37. Genesis 37 uh, through 50, there, there's more talked about Joseph than just about any other Old Testament character except for David. And Joseph's story is a very remarkable story, but remember, it's Jacob and Joseph and his brothers, and then there's God, and then there's you and I, and we're going to see how this all works together today. Joseph, uh, Genesis chapter 50, I want you to stand with me in the honor of reading God's word. Genesis chapter 50, verses 19 through 20, and we're going to wrap up this story, the story of God. Joseph said to them, Joseph said to his brothers, don't have time, you got to go back and watch the video of Pastor Glenn how that happened here. Every once in a while, I'm just going to stop and say, go back and watch the video from a previous week. So I don't have time to go into all this. But Joseph said to his brothers, do not be afraid, for, I, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me. But God, everyone say, but God. But God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people, to save many people. I want to talk to you on this idea this morning. God is working. God is working everything, everything in your life and my life, everything out for our good, but ultimately his glory. One more time. God is working everything out for our good, but ultimately his glory. I'm going to pray today, and uh, I got a young lady here that I'm going to bring out. Her name is Kelly Incarcion. And Kelly has just been a daughter of this house for the last nine years. And we are sending her out today to go to Bible College in Redding, California. And so come on out, Miss Kelly. Kelly has been on the worship team. Come on, let's give Kelly a great big hand today. I'm so grateful for young people like Kelly. Kelly has served and ministered here at City Church for nine years. And she's been part of this worship team. She leads the Wide Open along with Josh Wolf. They lead the Wide Open worship team on Wednesday nights. And we just, we love to send it. We love it when people do it right. 
And Kelly has processed this with our team and talked about what she sends God's doing. And we're totally behind her. And she's preparing herself for this next new season. And so I want you just to stretch forth your hands as I pray for Kelly today and pray God's blessing over her as we send her out in preparation for further ministry in his kingdom. Father, thank you for Kelly today. And uh, your hand is upon her. Even last night, Lord, when we had fun at the going away party and got all the great words that were spoken over her, we know that this is a new season. A new season represents new opportunities to trust you. And God, I just speak your blessing and your life and your grace over her today. Thank you for the right relationships and the right people. Thank you that everywhere she goes, Lord, in this next season, Lord, there are going to be opportunities to trust you in a new way. Thank you that you are building the faith muscle of her life. And we speak blessing. And as a city church family, we're grateful for the service. We're grateful for the hours and hours, countless hours of service, of leading worship and being part of this amazing worship experience at City Church. So we send her out as one of our daughters, one of our own. God, and we send her out with your great blessing. And I pray that everywhere she goes in this next season of her life, she will continue to be a blessing in a greater dimension than she's ever known. We ask this now in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, amen. God bless you, Kelly. Love you. All right, amen. You may be seated. God is working everything out for your good and his glory. Now, that's not always easy to understand. So I would propose to you today that it's not always what it looks like. It's not always what it looks like today, and how do we know that? What's the confirmation? What what is God doing? How do we know that it's not always what it looks like? Uh, We're going to walk through this story today, and we're going to look at the the relationship that Jacob has with his son Joseph and Joseph with his brothers. We're going to try to tie some threads together for you today. But the first thing that you have to know, The first thing that you have to know about God working in your life, the first thing that you have to know is that God's promises are unbreakable. God's promises are unbreakable. The Word of God, the Word of God is recorded through us through the life of Jacob and Joseph and his brothers and many other people, and it's God's Word. And God spoke to people of old, just like he speaks to us today. And God made promises to them. And when God makes a promise, he's a promise keeper. Everyone say promise keeper. We tend to be promise breakers. We tend to be promise breakers. But the God that you and I serve, when he makes a promise, he never breaks it. He keeps it. God made a promise to a man by the name of Abraham. Abraham was the grandfather to Joseph, uh, to uh, to, uh, Jacob, who would be the great-grandfather to Joseph. And God promised to him, God promised to him that he would bless him, make his name great, and he would be a blessing to the nations. And then God, to to confirm this promise, to substantiate what he was telling him, he said, and I'm going to give you some land. I'm going to give you a piece of land. It's in the Middle East. It's the land of Canaan. We call it the promised land today. My wife and I have been able to take two trips over the last year to the, to the land that God promised to Abraham 4,000 years ago. And what's amazing, 4,000 years later, there are about 8 million Jewish people who are direct descendants from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph that are living in that land today. Oldest living civilization wrapped around this one concept that there is a special place, a land that God promised to them still today in existence. See, the promises of God are unbreakable. In Genesis chapter 45, uh, we're going to take just a kind of a little journey here and look at this promise, how it works in Jacob's life. 
Now the Bible says in Genesis chapter 45, verse number 9, now the Bible says this is after, this is after Joseph has revealed himself to his brothers. Go back and watch the video. Joseph has revealed himself to his brothers, and he tells his brothers to go back and bring their father. Jacob believes that Joseph has been dead for 22 years. Jacob believes that Joseph has been dead for 22 years, but his brothers know they have a little secret. They know that they sold him into slavery. They don't know what happened to him. They had no idea that one day they were going to meet Joseph again. But Joseph now is the second most powerful man in all of Egypt. And it's been a journey for him. It's been an amazing journey. And so Joseph, standing there before his brothers, he tells them, he says, I want you to go back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says, the one that you thought was dead, the one that you, that you grieved for, the one that, that you have missed. It was your favorite son, the one you loved, me, Joseph. Joseph says, God has made me Lord over all of Egypt. Come down to me and don't delay. There's a family reunion that's about to take place. I read a story recently, actually I read a book a couple of weeks ago about two sisters that didn't know that each other existed. They were identical twins. They were separated at birth. And one lived in New Jersey, one lived in New York, and somehow in their mid-20s they had a, a mutual friend that couldn't believe that these two people looked exactly the same and brought them together and they told their story. And that was like 30 years ago. And now they're like the closest friends and they've done all these things and lived different places together. It's just an amazing story of a family reunion. This reunion that's about to take place is a very special reunion because something's going to happen in Joseph's life, in Jacob's life because of this. And in verse 40, uh, chapter 45, verse number 27, I want you to see on the screen. And the Bible says, but when they told him everything Joseph had said to them, when they told Jacob, and when he saw the carts Joseph had sent to carry him back, the spirit of their father Jacob was revived. And Israel said, I'm convinced. I'm convinced. My son Joseph is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. Chuck Swindoll once said that Jacob has, is a character in the Bible that experiences more forgiveness and grace than just about any other character. He's a typical dude. I would say he's a typical churchgoer. Pastor Glenn proposed in his message a couple of weeks ago that we were more like the brothers in this story, the rascals, the mafia hit squad. Uh, and I would propose to you today that I'm a little bit more like Jacob. I'm a little bit more like Jacob. Those boys didn't love God or serve God at all, which is, which is the case for all of us at some point, but I, I love God. There's just times that I forget that God is really real. Uh, I'm, come on, I'm being honest. I'm being bare wire. There are times that I'm just living life and I'm looking at the microscope of my life and I forget that God is working in the upper story and my lower story because he's turning it. He, listen, he meant that whatever's taking place, he meant it for my good, but ultimately his glory. And we look at this life of Jacob and the Bible says his spirit is revived. His spirit is revived. He's been distant from God, but all of a sudden something takes place. Something takes place in his heart. You see, Joke, Jacob has lost hope that he would ever see Joseph. He just believed that he was dead. Hal Lindsey once said, man can live for 40 days without food, three days without water, eight minutes without air, but only one second without hope. Joseph tells his brothers to go and bring dad back. 
And the moment that he realizes that Joseph is really alive, his hope is revived. His spirit is revived. He believes again. There's something renewed in him. There's something renewed in his heart. There's something renewed in his spirit. The life that you and I live will have suffering. We'll have hardships. We'll have trials. We'll have difficulties. We'll have problems. We'll have pain. Jesus promised it. Jesus promised. It's a, it's a little pocket promise. You can write it on a three-by-five card and stick it in the front, shirt, uh, front pocket of your shirt. In this life, you will have trouble. It's the way it's designed because there's this upper story that's taking place in your lower story. But hear me today. Hear me today. God wasn't finished with Jacob yet. God's not finished with you yet. Jacob's spirit was revived. Something in him was changing. First Peter chapter 5, Peter says it like this. After a little while, you suffered. After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace. Come on, say all grace. All grace. We heard it a couple of weeks ago. Unmerited, unfavor, undeserved. You rascal, you rebel, God get, has offered you sufficiency, more than enough grace. He has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, who himself will restore. He will confirm, he will strengthen and establish you. Jacob's spirit was restored. It was renewed. And look what happens in this renewed condition. In chapter 46, verse number 1, I want you to see this on the screen here. The Bible says, so Israel. Notice this name change. His name is Jacob to you and I, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The, the name Jacob, the word Jacob, or his name literally means deceiver, tricky one, deceptive one. His name change, the name that God gives him, the new name. The new name that is written down in glory and it's mine. That new name is Israel. One who wrestled with God. One who contends with God and wins. Oh, hear me today. This revived spirit, I want you to see what happens in verse number one of chapter 46. So Israel set out with all that was his, his whole family, his whole clan. It's been a long time since he offered sacrifices. It's been a long time since he darkened the doors of a church. It's been a long time since he got down on his knees and began to lift his hands toward heaven and worship God. It's been a long time, but I want you to know, a long time doesn't mean forever. And Jacob then takes his family, 22 years of living a life of disappointment with his boys, frustrated, disappointed at God because his youngest, his favorite son, was taken away from him. He stopped and he offered sacrifices. He stopped and offered sacrifices. There's something powerful about this moment. There's a transition. There's a change. There's a new season that's being birthed in Jacob's life. In your life today, there's something that happens when you begin to go from just believing to God to start worshiping God. A lot of us in this room, come on, wait, very few atheists in this room. You wouldn't be here today. As a matter of fact, most atheists in this city didn't ever gave one thought to waking up this morning, rolling out to bed, and spending an hour and 15 minutes listening to some guy yell at him. That's just not the way it works. I mean, most of you believe in God. You have some kind of belief. But many of us have forgotten God. And Jacob's spirit is revived, and he begins to worship God. And here is the result. Here's what happens. 
when he finds himself restored and back in right relationship with God. In verse number two, the Bible says, and God spoke to Israel. God spoke to Israel. God speaks to him personally. I love what Jesus said. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice, and I know them, and they follow them. I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life. <laughs> God speaks his name. God speaks your name today. God speaks your name, and it's a new name. You know, your mama might have called you, your mom probably didn't, your daddy probably did, but your mama, your mama might have called you dumb, and maybe your daddy called you stupid or worthless or no good. Uh, maybe, maybe your sister or your brother said some really negative things, and you still carry those scars of those words. The biggest lie that you learned as a nursery rhyme as a child with sticks and stones may bake my bones, but, but words will never hurt me is a lie. Words have power. They have life. They stick with us. Sometimes we find ourselves identified by a diagnosis that a doctor gives us. You're this. You're this. You're this. You're a victim of this. You're a victim of this. But when God speaks over you today, that's not how he sees you today. Come on. That's not how God sees you today. God has given you a new name. A brand new name. And you know what that name is? That new name is conqueror. That new name is victor. That new name is overcomer. That new name is bought with the price, the precious blood of Jesus. Someone give God a great big praise. Come on. Oh, oh, oh. God speaks to him. Listen, he's 130 years of age. He's 100. And, that's old. Everyone say old. That's really old. New York Times, uh, USA Today this morning in the newspaper, they, they, uh, they were interviewing a lady that was 107 years of age in New York City. And they asked, you know, how did you live so long? And, and she said, well, two things. She said, one, I never married. There you go. That was the number one, I never married. <laughs> number two, I drink a glass of red wine every day. That was her two. Now, I don't know if that's how you live to be 107. I, I already missed that one there. I don't think either one of those. So, so uh, I don't know if I'm going to live to be 107, but that was her prescription. Jacob's 130, and God's speaking to him. And God's about ready to ask him to do something different, to do something new. I, I love trailblazers. I love people... Miss Kelly, she's 24 years of age, and, and I noticed that she's a little girl, and, and she's moving to California, Redding, California, all by herself. And, and I know it's exciting, but there's also a little, you know, a little trepidation. There's a little fear. There's a little, man, she's moving out of daddy's house and her own bedroom and all those kinds of things. Jake's is 130, and he's getting ready to start a new journey, a new chapter of his story. Most of us in America think, man, if we just make it to 60 or 70, our goal is to sit on a beach in the Bahamas drinking a pina colada and a hammock. That's our goal of living the good life. We're not thinking about writing a new chapter of our life. We're not thinking about starting a new destiny. We're not thinking about a new purpose or plan that God's, God has for us. But let me tell you, I want you to know today that God wasn't finished with Jacob yet. God wasn't done with him because God was going to save the best work in his life as the last work of his life. God speaks to him and calls him by name and calls him to himself. And he says, listen to this. What it says in verse number three, I am God. Do not be afraid. Do you know 365 times in the Bible God says don't be afraid? 300. 
How many days of the, of the year are there? Come on. How many times do you have opportunity to be afraid? And every time fear wants to come into your life, fear that you're not going to have enough finances, fear that your family relationships aren't going to work out, fear that your marriage is going to go sideways, fear that the boss is going to fire you, fear that you're not going to get that next order if you own the business, whatever the fear is, fear that a country is going to hell in a handbasket, whatever the fear that you would in that moment want to fear, God says to you, God says to you in the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, listen to this verse here. But now says the Lord, he who created you, he's using Jacob here. This is a long time after Jacob lived. He's speaking to the children of Israel. Oh, Jacob, oh, Jacob, my name, you know me as Eugene Smith. So, oh, Eugene Smith, he who formed you, oh, Israel. Israel is God's name. You know what? How I know myself today, when I look in the, smear, in the mirror, I don't see Eugene Smith. You've heard me say this before. I say, I hear Junior Smith, because that's the name my daddy and my mommy call me. My dad and mom call me Junior. And God's speaking to Junior Smith. Fear not. Come on. God's speaking to Paul. God's speaking to Sousa. God's speaking to Shaniqua. God's speaking to Jose. God's speaking to Camilla. God's speaking to every person in this room. Fear not. I have redeemed you. I bought you. I paid the price for you. I've called you by my name, and you are mine. You're a child of mine. You're a child of God today. Oh, come on. Oh, hear me today. No fear. Jacob, don't be afraid. I know you're old. I know this is not going to, this is not what you planned for your life. You were looking for the beach with the hammock and the Mai Tai. I got another plan. You see, God always in our life has promises that are unbreakable. And you have to see this thread here. There is an unbreakable promise that God still needs to fulfill through the life of this man, Jacob. We're going to move to chapter 47. And we're going to see how God's plans, the plan that God has, the upper picture that God has in our life always has confirmation. God's plans for your life Always have God's confirmation. Way too many times in our life, we just jut out. We just jump out. We do something without really hearing from God and knowing that God is with us. See, Jacob stopped at Beersheba. Beersheba is not in Egypt. He was going to go see Joseph in Egypt, but he's not there yet. He stops and he begins to worship. And in that worship, in that moment of worship, God speaks to him and he gets confirmation that he's on the right track. Hear me, when God speaks to our heart for a new season, and I, I want you to know you can be just going through life, and all of a sudden one event can, in a turn of a dime, change the trajectory of the course of your life and the way that you are going. When God's leading into a new season, he always confirms it. The Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Too many times as believers, we just jump out and do th something because we have a feeling or emotion, but we don't really know. And when God speaks to you, when God speaks to me, God always speaks in stereo. When God speaks to you, when God speaks to me, God always speaks in stereo. And that's so important for you to understand today. Because, listen, so many times we'll have an opinion from this person. We'll have an opinion from that person. And God's saying, no, no, that's not my plan. And if we're not careful today, if we're not careful today, we can listen to the voices of other people, not the voice of God. And we can find ourselves in a mess. 
We can find ourselves stuck. We can find ourselves in a little detour. Now, God's merciful, gracious, and kind, and that detour doesn't mean God isn't finished with this yet. It just means that there's a lot of pain that we're going to walk through unnecessarily. Come on. Uh, Someone once said, you know, there's people that... uh, there's people that watch other people make it happen. There's people that study about other people that happen. And then there's people that just wondered what happened. And a lot of people live that way. You know, we're just, we're just kind of bumping through life. God speaks to Jacob and Jacob, God's confirming. God's going to give confirmation to Jacob that he is on the right track. In Genesis 47, the story continues Jacob now finds himself in Egypt. There's been a family reunion with his son Joseph and his brothers. Listen, it's complicated. Your life and my life has many complicated pieces to it. I know a lot of times you look up at here mid and you look at my life and I have a wonderful family and two boys that are awesome and a beautiful daughter-in-law. But I got to tell you, there's some complicated pieces of my family. I was this week at a pastor's conference in Orlando. And a pastor that I had not seen, I, I remember he was a youth pastor when I was probably 12 or 13 years old at another church in my city. Hadn't seen him probably in 45 years. I, I recognized him just because he didn't really change that much other than he had a little bit less hair, but he looked kind of like the same guy. And he stopped me in the hallway. And he said to me, he said, do you know a girl by the name of uh, Evelyn Mayfield? I'm like, uh, Evelyn, I don't know. I mean, I know a lot of people, Evelyn Mayfield. He said, how about Evelyn Smith? Oh, yeah, I know Evelyn Smith. That's my cousin. He said, I want you to know that I have gone to see her in prison at least once a year, every year for the last 16 years. Well, you don't know today as I have a cousin by the name of Evelyn. And Evelyn, 16 years ago, was running around with some bad boys. Bad boys, what you going to do when they come for you? And they were involved in a big drug deal in Tucson, Arizona. And a couple of the guys that were with her, they wanted to teach somebody that did him wrong a lesson. They took him out in the desert and they shot him in the head and killed him. She was tried and convicted for first-degree murder. And she is, sent, she is sitting in prison today serving a life sentence. Uh, that's not my story. <laughs> but it's part of my story. That's part of my family. That's my, that's my blood cousin, first cousin. That's my papa's. That's my dad's brother's daughter. You see, we look at people's lives, but we don't see behind the scenes the mess and all the things and the complications that are happening in people's worlds. God does. God sees. Joseph finds himself. Jacob finds himself in Pharaoh's Pharaoh's land. He finds himself in the place of Egypt. This family reunion is taking place. And Pharaoh, who is the king of the most powerful nation of the world of his generation, says to Joseph, your father and your brother have come to you. The land of Egypt is before you. Have your father and your brothers dwell in the best of the land. Come on, everyone say best of the land. You got to hear this today. Have your father and brothers live in the best of the land and let them dwell in the land of Goshen. You know where the land of Goshen is? In Hebrew, Goshen literally means the king's land. The king's place. Uh, Jacob didn't deserve it. Joseph's brothers didn't deserve it. 
but because the favor of God on one man, Joseph, because God's favor on his life, the blessing of God would come to his father and to his brothers, and they would live in the best place today. They would live in the best land today, the land that God had promised them today. Let me tell you today, you don't deserve it. You didn't work for it. Your family line isn't good enough. Come on, but let me, let me, let me tell you a little story today. There is one. There is one who is a greater brother. His name is Jesus. And what he did on the cross 2,000 years ago makes it possible for us rascals and us rebels to live in the best land, the land of the king, the place of the king where there's blessing, where there's life, where there's unmerited favor and undeserved grace. It's called, it's called life. It's called breath. It's called air. And the Bible says every good and perfect gift comes down from our heavenly father and in whom there is no shadow of turning or shifting of ways. God's desire today is to bless you. Someone said amen. God always has the best in store for us today. They lived in the best land of the king. Did they deserve it? No. But God is showing to Jacob that he's confirming his purposes and his plans. So God gives them the best land, but God uses someone else. God uses Pharaoh. Pharaoh was a polytheistic, and, you know, we got all this history of ancient Egypt today. We know they, they worship lots of God. The God Ra was their primary God, but they have all kinds of... Po- Pharaoh wasn't a godly man, but Pharaoh was God's man. Pharaoh wasn't a godly man, but he was God's man to release blessing on one of God's own, Israel. God will use all kinds of people. One of the ways that God confirms things in your life is he uses someone many times, people that we don't think that he would use or could use or should use, but God uses very strange and difficult situations and circumstances at times to confirm his purpose for your life. And God would use Pharaoh to bless, to bless. The king said, take my best land. Take my blessed land. And then I love what happens here. I love what happens here. Verse number 47. Then the Bible says, Then Joseph brought in Jacob his father, and he stood before Pharaoh, and Jacob blessed, Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Wow. Jacob blessed him. Do you know you today, you were called to be a blessing and not a curse. You see, God told Abraham 4,000 years ago, Jacob's grandfather, Jacob's grandfather, the, the, the man who would start the line of faith, the man who would believe God against all impossibilities when no one else believed God. God said, Abraham, I want you to step outside, and I want you to count, try to count those stars. Abraham, I, I want you to go by the seashore, and I want you to look at all the sand, as much sand as you can count. I want you to know that my blessing will be on you. And because my blessing on you, you will be the blessing to the nations, all the nations. Every time the concept of word nation is used in the Bible, it always represents ethnic groups. Oh, because of me, because of me, I will bless you. And you in turn will be a blessing. And the nations of the earth will be blessed because of you. You see, God's blessings and God's favor is not on you, not just for you and your four no more. No, because God wants you to be a blessing to the nations. God wants you to bless and to not curse, to do good and not evil. God wants you to pray for those and to bless those who, who despitefully use you. See, such is the way of the kingdom. Pharaoh was probably not a very good guy. 
I, I mean, for, for Pharaoh, there was a butler and a baker that came into his midst. And, and for, for one guy, for the butler, he got his position restored. But for the baker, it was like Donald Trump looked at him and said, you're fired. And then but for him, it was more than just getting fired. They cut off his head. I mean, it was a bad day for that guy. I mean, Pharaoh was just a king. He could do whatever he wanted. But in that moment, Jacob, the Bible says, he stood before him and he blessed him. And God's called you to be a blessing. All this that God is doing, all this God is working, all, and your lower story, God is working in your life to continue to be a blessing. Jacob's 130 years old, and he's still walking in the place of blessing. He's walking in the purposes of God. And in verse number 29, the Bible says, when it, the time drew for Israel to die, for Jacob to die, he called his sons Joseph and said to him, if I found favor in your eyes, do not bury me in Egypt. Do not bury me in Egypt. But when I rest or die with my fathers, carry me out of Egypt and bury me where they are buried. And Joseph said, I will do as you say. He said, swear to me. And then Joseph swore to him. See, the promised land wasn't Egypt. The promised land isn't this world. The promised land isn't stuff and sexual relations and job security. That's not the promised land. No, 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 no. God has another land. There's another land. The writer of Hebrews says it like this. The writer of Hebrews says, for this world is not our permanent home. You see, we're not working for an earthly home. We're living and dreaming and, and serving and giving and sacrificing for a heavenly home. We are looking for a home that is yet to come. It's the home where our God reigns. It's the home where our Lord Jesus Christ rules and reigns forever. It's the, it's the home where millions and millions of believers before us are already in heaven. And they are looking for that day when Jesus is tapped again and the trumpet of the angel of the Lord will sound and Christ Jesus. Jesus, the skies will open, the eastern sky will split open, he will land on the Mount of Olives and he will rule and reign again forever and ever. That is our eternal home, to be with our Lord and Savior forever and ever and ever. Oh, you got to hear this today. This world is not our home. We're just pilgrims that are passing through because God's purposes are always accomplished. As I get to the end here, there are two primary characters in our story. One is Jacob. The other is Joseph. There's a lot of things that I could say about Jacob's life. But Jacob's final hour, Jacob's very best shining moment was at the end of his life. He was 147 years of age. At the end of his life. I... <laughs> I, there's a lot of people that start off really strong. There's a lot of people that start off life really good. But they don't finish strong. They don't finish well. You see, from the beginning to the end, there's a lot of mean time. There's a lot of up and down time. But what God sees is the end of your life. And he wants the end of your life to be the best of your life. And what I see here at the very end of Jacob's life, this man of blessing, this man who had a period of time, and it's not that he didn't believe in God, he just forgot God. He's come back to the central place of worship and who God is in his life. And he's going to finish the race strong. And the Bible says that he calls all of his sons before him. 
Sons who had disappointed him. Sons who had left him discouraged. Sons who had made him feel defeated about being a dad at times. And he calls a man. He says, I got one more thing. I got one more thing to say before I go. You got to hear this today. Because see, Jacob, Jacob would prophesy something here that would change the course of human history. Jacob would say something to one of his sons that, that that would have prophetic and profound impact for all of human history. Genesis chapter 49, the Bible says Jacob called for his sons and he says, gather around so I can tell you what will happen in the days to come. And he begins to prophesy over his older son, Reuben. And he begins to prophesy over his next son and his next son. And then he comes to his fourth or his fifth son. His name was Judah. And he says, Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons will bow down to you. You're a lion's cub, Judah, my son. My son is a young lion that has finished eating its prey. And like a lion, he crouches and lies down. Like a lioness who dares to rouse him. The scepter, the scepter, Judah's scepter will not depart from Judah. We don't understand scepter. The concept is not familiar to us because we don't live in a monarchy. But, But if you were a British subject today, you would understand the scepter. The scepter is the heritage that one king passes on to the next in line over the throne. Uh, The scepter is that special position of royalty. Although there's a lot of royalty, there might be a lot of princes that there can only be one king. The scepter will never, the position of authority, the position of power, the person who rules over on can overall can only be passed on to one. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until he who is to come and it belongs shall come and the obedience of the nation shall be his. Jacob in that moment prophesies something that the book of Revelation gives us clearer insight to. Because that lion, that lion of the tribe of Judah, he's the ruler and the reigner of all. And in Revelation chapter 5, the Bible says that one of the elders said to John the Revelator, Do not weep. Don't weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David has triumphed. The root of David. Jesus, who, is, who represents in our line here, the lion of the tribe of Judah. He rules and he reigns over all. He has triumphed over death. He has triumphed over, over the enemy. He has triumphed over Satan, sin, sickness, and disease. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Come on. He is our king today. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Oh, Jacob prophesies. The coming king, Jacob prophesied to the line of Judah. But what's special about Joseph, Joseph just doesn't prophesy it. Joseph lives a life that reflects our coming king. There's a lot of people that talk a good game. There's a lot of people that talk about God. There's a lot of people that could tell you a lot of theology. But their lives in no way, shape, or form represent the king. Their lives in no way, shape, or form are the the lives that model the person of Christ that we are called to be. I want to tell you something today. Joseph today, Joseph today didn't just talk about God. Joseph lived as one who followed after God. 
And we see the life of Jonah. Some theologians say that there's at least 70 different similarities. I'm just going to give you a few today. I want you to see how Joseph represents Jesus today. In the beginning of our story, we see that Joseph was robed with the very special robe that his father gave him. The Bible says that our Savior Jesus wore a robe. Both men had the robe stripped off of them. But both men, when they met the king, had robes that were put on them that were never taken off of them again. Both men were favored by their dad. Both men, both sons, were loved by their father. Joseph was the favored son of Jacob. Jesus was the favored son of our heavenly father. He's the son of God. He's the son of God. He's our God. He's our Savior. He's our Lord. Both men were hated by their brothers. Joseph's ten brothers hated him, wanted to destroy his life. Jesus was hated by his very own. The Bible says he came to his own, and they rejected him. They both plotted. Both of the brothers plotted against these brothers. Both the brothers of Jacob, the brothers of Joseph plotted against him. The brothers of Jesus plotted for his very own death. Both were sold as slaves. Jacob for Joseph for 20 pieces of silver. Jesus was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. Both were falsely accused. Put the next one up. Both placed between two prisoners. Both placed between two prisoners. Joseph the butler and the baker. Jesus, two, two sinners, two thieves on a cross. For one of the men, it went well. For the other, it didn't so much. One of the thieves looked at Jesus and said, you must be the son of God, I believe. For the other looked at him, cursed and mocked, and he died that day. For one of those thieves, Jesus looked at him and said, today you will be with me in paradise. For the other, he was eternally separated from his God. Both were exalted after their suffering. Joseph was exalted to the second most powerful position in the kingdom. The Bible says that Jesus, being exalted above all of his brothers, Jesus was highly exalted. And the Bible says that he thought it not robbery to be equal with God because he was God. He came and lived his life as a servant. Because the heart of Jesus is that every person would experience forgiveness. When Jacob stood before his brothers who betrayed him, sold him off into slavery, wishing his death, the Bible says when they stood before him, said, you don't understand, boys. You meant it for evil. You meant it for evil. But God meant it for good so that many people could be saved. When Jesus hung on the cross, come on, when our Savior, who was falsely accused, he only did good. He walked on planet Earth for 33 years and never sinned, never failed his father, never disappointed his heavenly father, blessed people, forgave people, healed people, restored the sick, mended broken bones. The Bible says that that Jesus, when he died on the cross on that day, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They don't know what they do. And Peter picks that message up. On the day of Pentecost, 2,000 years ago, he will stand 
before thousands of his Jewish brothers. The same ones who 50 days before had yelled, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. The same ones Peter would stand and say, listen, you don't know what you did, but our Savior Jesus, he came to bless you. He came to bless you and to turn many of you away from your sins. See, this man Joseph, he didn't just talk about God. He represented God. Our Lord and Savior today wants you to know, no matter what's happening in your world, God's always meant it for good. God's meant it for your good, but ultimately, His glory. So that many people could be saved. Close your eyes. I look at this guy, Joseph, man, and what I love about him uh, when I love about Jacob, first of all, Jacob, the, the dad, I love it, man. You know, I, I used to think I was Joseph, and then Pastor Glenn said I was one of the brothers. And as I came to this final message, I realized I'm really like Jacob. I'm a hot mess, but I'm God's mess. And I want the last days, whatever time I have remaining on planet Earth, I want it to be my best days. And so God always allows, you're here today. I don't care what your past is. I don't care what you did yesterday. I don't care what you did last week, last month. I care less. And as a matter of fact, the moment you make a mid-course correction and turn back to God and begin to worship Him, the Bible says that He washes away all your sins as far as the east is from the west. He'll remember them no more. But what God's concerned is about you today, about you right now. And there's some in this room, man. And you've been like Jacob. You have, not, not that you don't believe in God. You just forgot. You really haven't made worship of him the priority of your life. And God's calling you back today. You're here today. You know that's you. Come on. You know that. Not that you don't, I'm not saying you don't love God. I'm not saying anything like that. But you know today you've forgotten about him. Today God's calling you back to a place of worship. Because God's got some blessings. God's got some favor. God's got some open doors of opportunity for you. And you're here today. And you know you got to get this thing right again. And the count of three, right now, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Come on, right down this room. Come on, all across this room. Come on. Don't miss this moment. God's here. God's speaking to you today. Oh. <laughs> You're here today. And once again, your heart is right with the Lord. This, I'm talking to the person. I'm talking to a, a different person today. Your heart's right with God today. But you want a fresh revelation of Jesus, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, who has triumphed. He has triumphed victoriously over all the circumstances, the reality of your life. You, you're, you're, you know you're right with him today, but, but you need that fresh revelation of Jesus, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, who has meant it for your good, but ultimately for your Father's glory. If that's you right now in this room, can you lift your hands towards heaven? Come on. Come on, fresh revelation. Anyone in this room? Come on. Come on. I want everyone that raised your hand on the first or the second one, I want you guys to stand together this morning. Come on. We're going to stand, and we're going to take just a moment. What I love about this third service is we don't have to close it right away. And we can take this moment right now in this third service. I want you to stand. You raise your hand. Come on. We're going to take just a moment. I'm not going to ask you to do anything, but just to open your mouth and ask God for a fresh revelation of who he is in your world.